<laughs> Hi, I'm Max Gibson, and you're listening to episode five of Fairy Visions, my podcast series about the radical fairies of Vermont. Here's what I've covered so far. The radical fairies are a global movement of queer spiritualists. About six months ago, I started talking to the fairies from Fairy Camp Destiny, the Vermont Fairy Sanctuary. In the last few episodes, I looked back at 20th century America, ancient Europe, and my own backyard to find the origins of the radical fairy movement. In this episode, I meet some fairies on their own turf at their house and find out a little more about what it's like to live a fairy life. Here's episode five, Moonbeam. I think like part of the point of radical fairies is finding out who we are and how we can live with each other without the oppression of heteronormativity. Yeah. So there's an assumption First time I felt like I had crossed over into real fairy space was when I walked into the fairy house for the first time. It's in southern Vermont, and eight of the Destiny fairies live there. On the outside, the house is an imposing, dark gray Victorian mansion, but when you walk in, you step into their vibrant fairy world. There are mismatched oriental carpets on the floor, there's a fancy metal bathtub in one of the bathrooms, old concert posters on the walls, and also nude paintings. The well-stocked and well-used kitchen literally glows in the afternoon light, and people were bustling around when I arrived. I'm going to make some coffee. You can hang okay. with me or go okay. Mixie was the fairy talking at the beginning. Mixie talked to me about his early days with the fairies. He said when he joined the fairies, his interest in costuming and performance art took off. So what kind of costumes do you make or wear? We call it drag. Everybody's drag is different. Yeah. But for me, I never lose the beard. Yeah. So there's like a gender fuck element to it. But it varies. When I visited, Mixie and the other fairies were working on drag costumes for Mardi Gras. Shall we go up to the studio and sit down? Sure. Felt like I was in a tea house or something. <laughs> so where are we going? Um, up to the third floor is okay. our studio. Oh, this is huge. Yeah, that house is huge. Wow. Our studio is in the main room. My bedroom's in here. It's a huge closet. Wow. So what are people working on in here? Um, we're working on our uh, Mardi Gras costume. The theme for costumes this year was tarot. Those cards with strange images on them that psychics use in movies. The tarot card Mixie was going as was the Hierophant, or the Pope. But I'm going as the Hierophag, so I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm That's amazing. It wow. <laughs> so today I'm working on, I had to this gold stuff. Oh, wow. Stuff. So I'm working on my crown. And the disco ball. The disco ball on top, and there'll be another thing up here, and a yeah. whole gold situation all the way around. That's cool. The Pope would be proud. Thanks. We sat down on a couch in the studio, and I asked Mixie what being a fairy means to him. For me, it's about evolving mm -hmm. and becoming something else, especially evolving in a way that doesn't involve capitalistic power dynamics. Mixie knows about power structures, both from his years working as an organizer for the gay leather community in New York, which he told me operates under a strict hierarchy, and also from his experience as a paralegal. So how does, how does the decision-making, like the sanctuary, compare to like your paralegal job? Oh, it's completely different. Yeah. I mean, like, 
at the last firm I was at in New York, in the last few years I worked there, I was working for the chairman of the firm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, he was the patriarch. Yeah. He was the <laughs> yeah. patriarch of his family. The um, literal patriarch. He was yeah. the patriarch of the firm. Yeah. He was the king, you know, he got mm-hmm. whatever he wanted to. Yeah. And some of that power, you know, accrued to me because I was his assistant. So what have you been doing since you came up here? Um, I work in an organic cafe. I didn't mean to exclude you, darling. Come and keep talking to us. You're, you're wonderful. At this point, Jade, who owns the house, joined us on the couch, and I asked both Mixie and Jade what their first fairy gatherings were like. Mine was 2008. Um, at some point in New York, uh, I, I, started, I started dreaming about like green open spaces and mm-hmm. like parks back in Kansas and I just had this real urge for it. Around that time, a friend of Mixie's brought him up to Destiny for his first gathering. And I, you know, was terrified of the tent and terrified of spiders and terrified of basically everything. But once I finally got here, it was like, I don't know, it was, it was, it was like a revelation. Like it was mm-hmm. so wonderful to be myself, to be mm-hmm. feminine, because I've been effeminate all of my life. Yeah. And I'd really tried to suppress that. And I remember that, that walking down the road that first gathering and just like throwing my hands up my head, just dancing back yeah. and forth and skipping down the road and being amazed that you know that kind of behavior was you know didn't even cause anyone to bat an eye there in fact they might join in yeah. <laughs> for me i feel just very privileged a lot of my life is so very fairy and, and now that i've actually lived there on a daily basis mm-hmm. for a couple of seasons now it's very easy for me to sink in. I'm so familiar with the energy of that place, and so much of my energy is there that it's very comfortable, and I sink very fast. Mm. But I watch people who come together go through a, a landing period of arriving, and mm-hmm. then a very specific difficulty adjusting back to the default world. By default world, he means the non-fairy world. Yeah, and that was very much imagine. a thing going back mm-hmm. to New York for me and going to work at the law firm on Monday morning. It's <laughs> like you have to be careful because it's not safe to be as open in you know the default world mm-hmm. as you can be in sanctuary. It's, it's almost a ritual of ours to mm-hmm. you know to take we call it the snow globe of protection <laughs> that you yeah. can take with you and protect your and remember to protect yourself out in the mm-hmm. default world in ways that you don't. usually have to in sanctuary at times you can really have these profound experiences and then at other times it can be really hard because Mm -hmm. it's really challenging to be with people who are going through Mm -hmm. all this what what is very ordinary for us can be very frightening to other people. I frighten other gays daily. Frighten I know, I do <laughs> really? I frighten other gays how, all how, the time. How do you frighten people? You guys do not seem very frightening. People just start out with think we're a drug sex cult. Yeah, <laughs> they, they tend to have <laughs> some weird <laughs> ideas. We're not what a, <laughs> You're not a cult though. <laughs> <laughs> And every time we have a circle that Doxy is at, Doxy's like, come to the cult circle, come to the cult (laughs) circle. And she knows as well as anybody else that it's not, but... That's funny. (laughs) That other voice was Daisy butting in from the sewing table. Mixie and Jade have both put themselves in the fairy community year-round to stave off this feeling 
of re-entering what they call the default world. The comfort they get from the fairies, the sense of belonging and balance and wholeness, I couldn't explain it at that point, but I really believed it. The fairies work for them, and why question something that works? So all fairies take on fairy names, and some change them often and some don't, but Jade, Mixie, and Daisy have all had theirs for most of their time as fairies. Names can come from a lot of different places. Mixie invented his fairy name. His full fairy name is Mixie Normus Desdemona. So he got this because he likes Desdemona from Othello, because she did her own thing and she didn't listen to her father, but then she ultimately was defeated because she didn't listen to her friends. And he says that's a good lesson. Mix, M-X, is a gender-neutral honorific, and C is how he began to sign his emails once his muggle name became too hard to write. He said it was triggering for him. Jade got his name from Brooke Shields' character in the 1981 movie Endless Love. So I started to think about this after I talked to Mixie and Jade, and I decided that if I chose a fairy name in that moment, it would be Moonbeam. This comes from The Sound of Music. <laughs> oh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? This name works for a few reasons. One, Moonbeam as an image hits a sweet spot between hippie and wicca that I think would go over well with the fairies. Two, the fact that it comes from a musical is great. And three, it encapsulates this turning point in my investigation into the fairies. After speaking to Daisy, I was really frustrated. I just, I didn't understand what the fairies actually were, what they actually did, or what their function was. And after getting into this gay mythological mindset of history, I began to understand all the theory of fairy life, but I still didn't really get how all of it played out in practice. And I also knew that I had gone deeper into gay spiritual literature than most fairies probably do. So in essence, all I had to go off of were moonbeams, all these airy things with no substance. Talking to Mixie and Jade, I began to come to terms with that. These moonbeam ideas of spirituality and community and sanctuary and queer sexuality, the fairies I've talked to mostly refuse to define them. And I have to be okay with that. It's clear that throwing off the ugly green frog skin of hetero imitation, as Harry Hay said, has made Jade and Mixie much happier and much more comfortable in their half-fairy, half-muggle universe. And it's allowed them to lounge and cuddle on this couch like girls half their age. Their happiness is a moonbeam. So how do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? You don't. That's the whole point. Here's Jade. Like, I want to be understood. That doesn't necessarily mean that people need, everybody needs to be up there. Cool. You know, if they're not really called, they're not really called. Cool. Usually they mostly just want to take our pictures. <laughs> You're one of the few journalists that actually wants to talk. Oh, really? <laughs> mostly we're just like, whip out the cameras. How do you hold a in your hand? Next time on Fairy Visions, I meet two more fairies at another fairy house, one these two built together from the ground up. 
To stay up to date with this series, subscribe to the Fairy Visions podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow me on SoundCloud. You can also stay updated by going to fairyvisions.wordpress.com. That's F-A-E-R-I-E visions at wordpress.com. Thank you, Mixie, Jade, Daisy, and everyone else at the house for welcoming me and talking with me. The songs you heard in this episode are Harry Fairy Hataruna by Monroeville Music Center, Rite of Passage by Kevin MacLeod, and Maria from the 1965 film The Sound of Music, sung by Evadne Baker, Anna Lee, Portia Nelson, and Marnie Nixon. Fairy Visions is produced by me, Max Gibson, and I'll talk to you next time. In the meantime, try to find out who we are and how we can live with each other without the oppression of heteronormativity.